Okay, good morning. morning. We're carrying on um, our um, sermon series called In Christ I Am, and today we're looking at In Christ I Have Peace. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn it to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Um, If you're visiting us here this morning and uh, you're just kind of looking into uh, what it means, what, what the Christian faith means, what it means to me, this is a good place to be. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed our worship, but also it's a good, this is a good book to encounter. Sometimes we call it God's Word, don't we? Because this is where we find what God has to say to us. So if you're kind of looking at what does this Christian thing, faith, look like, this is a good place to look. This is God's Word, God speaking to us. We find out what, who God is through his word, and we encounter the living word. We encounter Jesus, really, in every page as we go through the Bible. So, Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body of human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But in Christ Jesus, you were once, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ." For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, which put which by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Let's pray before I begin. Father God, we love you. We adore you. We thank you that by the Spirit you're here. And we want to just ask, would you speak to us through this word? Would you move amongst us and in us and encounter us? Would you consume us like Jill brought this morning? Would you, would you consume our hearts as we hear what you have to say to us 
because you love each one of us and you have purpose for each one here. Thank you. We love you. Please speak to us. Amen. How far would you go to find peace? How far would you go to, to, to extend or to hold out peace to others? What happened in 1969? Does anyone know a great event that happened in 1969? I'm looking at some people thinking, God, I wasn't even born in 1969. Oh, yes, well done. Well done. I was waiting for some really funny answers of some other things, but we'll just go straight there, Paul. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> was it your fifth birthday? Do you remember it well? Oh. <laughs> you could have said my fifth birthday party. Um, the landing on the moon, Apollo 11 landed, the first moon landing. And one of the things that happened is when they left, when they flew off, back to earth they 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 left on the moon um, a plaque that had been attached to one of the ladders one of the descending ladders and they left it on the moon and and on the plaque was inscribed this here men from the planet earth first set foot upon the moon july 1969 a.d we came in peace for all mankind then in 1972 when Apollo 17 landed, it did the same thing and left a plaque from one of the ladders. They took it off and left it on the moon. And it said this, Here, man completed his first explorations of the moon. December 1972 AD. May the spirit of peace in which we came be reflected in the lives of all mankind. Hmm. Just imagine for a minute that, uh, hey, maybe an alien turns up and finds those plaques. I'm not making a theological statement about aliens. <laughs> imagine they found these plaques and wondered about who these peace-loving people were and made their way for Earth. I wonder what they'd find. I wonder where they'd look. I wonder what they'd encounter. I wonder if they would really find these humans that had found real peace on earth. So to our passage this morning from Ephesians, Paul is talking about peace that's being made in two particular ways. And we really need to see who he's addressing in this passage He's addressing this church in Ephesus, which is uh, modern-day Turkey, right? Good. Um, And he's addressing these people. They were were known as Gentiles. So if you were not a Jew, you were a Gentile. Gentiles were anyone outside of ethnic Israel. If you were were a Jew, you you may be known as the circumcision and they may have known you as the uncircumcised ones, as we read. The, the Jews were God's chosen people to be a light to the world, to be set apart from any other nation around them, to display and hold out the glory of the Lord 
to the rest of the world. And so Paul is saying this. He's saying this in this passage. Look, you Gentile Christians, you need to know that peace has been made between you and God. And you Gentile Christians, you also need to know that peace has been made between you and Jewish believers. See, both these things are really big news. They are a really big deal. See, peace in the Bible is not simply an absence of fighting. It is not just, yeah, okay, everything's fine, we're at peace, we're cool, we're cool. No, no, no. Peace in the Bible is there's this sense of completeness, this sense of well-being, this sense of things, relationships being restored to how they were meant to be. And we have this phrase in verse 14, talking about Jesus, for he himself is our peace. In Christ we have peace. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So I've got three things I want to draw out from this passage. Peace has been made by God the Son. Peace makes a way to God the Father. And peace brings us together in the Spirit, in God the Spirit. We worship one God in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We sometimes call this the Trinity, don't we? And you may laugh, you may say, you may be looking and saying, look, oh, it's one of Simon's messages. Simon always has three points. Are you, oh God, there it is again. Hey, look, I am just trying to be Trinitarian. I am just trying to be faithful to the Trinity. That's all it is. It's nothing to do with I always have three points. I've been faithful to the text. Peace has been made by God the Son. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's worth stopping really and asking the question, why does peace need to be made? Because, I mean, peace peace needs to be made when there's a problem, right? Well, what's the problem between God and humans, you might ask? Well, Right from the very start of the Bible, right from Genesis, we see a God who has shown himself to be wonderful, worthy, powerful, loving, gracious, kind. And we see humankind that's rejected him. We don't want him. We want what we want. We want anything but him. You know, we look, if you look at that first, <coughs> Adam and Eve... Right back in Genesis. God shows himself to be a wonderful creator of heaven and earth, providing for all their needs. Don't want him. I want what we want. We want what we want. See, if you were to ask the question, what's wrong with the world, I'm sure if you went out into one of the local town centres, you would get lots of answers. You might get answers like bad government. You might get answers like poor management of of the world's natural resources. You might even get greed. You might even get violence. (coughs) But I think few would start with what the Bible says is wrong. 
we are haters of God. We're, we're hostile to him. In fact, the Bible paints it even worse than that. It says we've become his enemies. This is Colossians 1, 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Peace had to be made. Being God's enemy is not a good place to be. You might be saying to me, come on, Simon, it's a nice sunny day today. Why are you going on about this? It's a lovely day. It's the start of the Easter holidays. Why, why, why do you have to focus on this? Well, I, I want to focus on this because, you know, if we don't see this, what we'll say is, well, actually, men and women aren't as, I'm not as bad as the Bible really says I am. Men and women aren't really that bad. Or even worse, God isn't as holy as the Bible says he is. God isn't as worthy as they sing about in that church. We won't see his amazing love if we don't see that we were once his enemies. Peace had to be made. And establishing peace between two parties, usually what you end up doing is making a compromise. You usually have to kind of end up in the middle, don't you? Somewhere in the middle. Um, work out uh, things, make peace in their household, I'm sure. You end up with compromise. Yep. <laughs> Marvash says what the deal is and you accept it. Yep. <laughs> What normally happens, isn't it, when two parties are in conflict, usually some compromise has to be made. We meet in the middle. Or, or, or we do negotiations. Well, if you want that, you're going to have to give me that. I'm going to have to have that if you want that. I'll give you that, but you've got to give me this. That's not how peace was made between God and man. God did not invite us to the negotiating table. He didn't offer up some compromises. He made peace. He reconciled us back to himself. Reconciliation. See, when two sides are brought together, reconciliation is tied up with this whole idea of peace. We've seen an example of reconciliation this morning, haven't we? In Saeed and his son. Family reconciliation, two parties being brought together. Listen, this is, this is what the Bible teacher Peter Lewis says about it. Reconciliation is never presented in Scripture as something produced by the combined efforts of God and ourselves. It's not even a work which is begun by God and completed by ourselves. It is something achieved by God and offered to us as a gift. It is not a work which is half God's and half ours, but a work which is all of God and all of grace. This is what the Bible says, Romans 5:10. For if 
while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Why did God make peace? Because whilst we're described as his enemies, he loved us. He loved you. He loved me. He cared for us. And he wanted to restore peace with you and I. There's a peace made at the cross where Jesus took on himself the penalty for our rejection so that we didn't have to. At the cross, God was dealing with all that caused conflict between God and man. It was all of God and it was all of grace. Listen, perhaps, perhaps some of us here are just struggling with that fact that God has made peace. Perhaps you're a Christian here this morning. From time to time, you just sense, you know, I, I think I have to do my bit to keep God, to keep on God's good side. I've got to do my bit to keep God at peace. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to serve. I've got to give. Listen, they are, they are good things. In fact, they are vital things to help you mature in your Christian life. But they are bad things at reconciling you to God. They really are. It's done. It's been done. Jesus did it all. And you have peace with God. Amen? Allow the goodness of that to, to catch your attention right now. In fact, more than that, allow it just to invade your every desire, every thought, every sense that in Christ you and I have peace. We didn't earn it, didn't negotiate it, didn't come to us by accident. You have peace with God. Or perhaps you're here thinking, actually, I'm, I'm not a Christian, but I want to know that peace. I want to know that peace. Perhaps I, perhaps I have to meet God in the middle. I'll do my bit. I'll clean up my life. I'll try and come to church meetings. No, no, no. He wants you to know it's a free gift. He doesn't meet you halfway. Jesus has done it all. He's holding it out as a gift to you this morning. Will you choose to accept that gift? So peace has been made through Jesus. Secondly, peace makes a way to God the Father. Verse 17 and 18. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. See, this is important because Paul is not saying in this passage 
that Gentiles need to receive Jesus, but Jews don't. No, no, both need to receive peace through him. It says, peace to those who are far away, Gentiles. Peace to those who are near, the Jews. And now that's how both access God the Father. Through Jesus, we encounter our heavenly Father. Let me use this example for you. When I was um, young, I had a friend called Martin, Martin Jones. And Martin's dad was a bank manager. Do we have any bank managers? No, I don't think we do, do we? Do we have anyone that works in a bank? No, we don't have any. Okay, good start. Um, Martin's dad was a bank manager. And he was a bank manager for Barclays. And do you know what? Some 20 or 30 years ago, do you know, it was quite hard to see your bank manager. It's quite hard now, actually, isn't it? If you ever tried to see a bank manager, I don't even know if they exist in banks anymore. I don't even know if... You can't talk to anyone in a bank. They just want you to do everything electronically, don't they? Don't they, Lynn? We know this, don't we, when we go for the church. 20, 30 years ago, it was hard to see your bank manager. You've got to make an appointment. You want to see the, bank? You want to see the manager? You're going to have to catch him on the right day. You're going to have to make an appointment. Hey, if he wanted to see you, it was much easier. And you got a phone call. Hey, you've missed your mortgage payment. You've, you've missed your loan repayment. But, but you, you try and see him. Hey, not easy. But hey, do you know what? When I was at Martin's house, when I was with Martin, I could see him any time I wanted. Because I was with Martin. Hey, you want to see my dad? Yeah, he's over here, yeah. He's my dad. I'm with Martin. He's available. There he is. He's on the sofa. He's watching the football. I've got access to the bank manager. Because I'm with his I'm with the son. I'm with Martin. Even better than that, even better than that illustration. Because when Martin's dad looked at me, he probably just saw Martin's annoying friend. And he probably tolerated me. But do you know what? Because you and I are in Christ, God the Father looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Because Jesus is the dearly loved son, I'm, I'm a dearly loved child of God. I'm in the son. And I have access to him 24-7. I know I can come in his presence. And I, I know I won't be shooed out of the room. I, I won't be told, what are you doing in here? How did you get in here? No, I can come with confidence. Like Saruf started this meeting in Hebrews. We can come with confidence before God. See, peace with God doesn't simply mean I'm okay when I die. I can relax, I'll be fine, I know what happens to me when I die. No, no, it means I'm able to live with my heavenly Father now. 24-7 access. See, access means relationship, it means daily presence, it means knowing him personally. And it means that I'll be able to know this peace in my life. I'll be able to experience it. 
Turn to Philippians chapter 4, 6 6 to 9. Another famous passage about peace. It will be on the screen as well, so don't worry if you can't flick to it in time. Philippians 4, 6 to 9. Let's just read that together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard has the same meaning as when an army of soldiers would guard a city. And the soldiers would stand guard right around the city to stop it from being attacked so that life in the city could carry on, so that the people didn't have to live in fear. When the soldiers are surrounding the city, life can go on in the city, can't it? I can go about my business. I can sleep peacefully at night. I can live life because I know the city's guarded. I'm safe. I'm protected. The presence of God in your life means you can know his peace which will surround your mind and your heart. It doesn't mean all your problems disappear. When the Bible talks about peace, it's not the absence of trials and troubles. We know this, don't we? It's not. But it's, it's knowing there's a steadfastness in the midst of those trials and troubles. I know I'm secure in his love. I know I can't be separated from his love. See, peace is not about trying to expel all your worries and anxieties and negative thoughts. It's not about living in unreality. No, it's about knowing that his presence guards you. It's about living in reality, but knowing that he's with me. And whom shall I fear? Because he protects me. Are there things in your life right now that would want to rob you of your peace. It's a genuine question. Have a think. You have access to the Father and he will give you peace. He wants you to know it in your hearts and minds. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to trust in it, to live in it. Okay, finally. Peace brings us together in one spirit. It not only affects our relationship with God, it affects our relationship with people around us. Peace brings us together in one spirit. This passage tells us In Ephesians, we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. It says we're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, I told you at the start that Paul was talking about two types of peace. We've looked at peace with God, but he also says, you know, that he says to them before 
before there was hostility, there was conflict between you, Gentile Christians, and the Jewish people. And this was no more clearer than in the temple in Jerusalem. I know they're in Ephesus, but he kind of, he kind of um, alludes to the temple in Jerusalem. And in the, in the temple, you had the inner courts, and they were for Jews. They were for God's chosen people who could be where the real action was, could be at the very centre of where God symbolically was with the people. Hey, they were there. It was reserved for them. The Gentiles could only look on from the outer court, which was a lot lower and which was um, cut off by a huge stone wall. And, and in, the, in the courts, the Gentile courts, just so that they got the message, there was a number of messages and inscriptions telling them to keep out of the inner courts. And one sign that had been found only just a few hundred years ago, it said this, no foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure around the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. But in Christ, there is now peace, Paul is saying. And together, we're members of God's family and a people that, inhabit, that God inhabits by the Spirit. There's a, there's a spiritual uniting in the church. People who are once in conflict, now at peace and unity. Hey, perhaps you sensed that if you were here last Sunday evening as we celebrated with a number of different churches in the Middlesbrough area. This sense of unity and peace because... Jesus is our Lord. We're united together because of him. Hey, we may do things very differently, but we're united because of Jesus. He, his presence, the Spirit of God. Verse 14, he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one, There's an amazing link between Christian unity and peace. And it's because of that peace that the church can be made up of all sorts of backgrounds, nationalities, people groups, ages. This is the church. The Bible does not have a category. The Bible has no categories for youth church. The Bible has no category for a one-nationality church. The Bible has no category for a poor person's church or a rich person's church. Now, you may have churches that are particularly young. You may have churches that are predominantly made up of one nationality. You may have churches that are made up predominantly of people from a community of the wealthy or the community of the poor. But to set them up intentionally as that is not what I think the church should be. I don't see that in the Bible. The church should display unity and peace amongst people who are not necessarily like each other. Amen? 
That's the church. It says, it says the Holy Spirit has bound all these people together. Because the Holy Spirit has bound us together, because there's peace amongst us, it leaves no room for competition either. <coughs> leaves no competition to say, oh, do you know, oh, I must do better than that person. That person is doing really... That, oh, that contribution that person brought is brilliant, but I think I could do better. I'm going to do better because I'm in competition with them and I want to be the best. It leaves no room for that. It leaves no room to say for when someone is rejoicing because God's done something in their lives for us to think, oh, I'm disappointed because he didn't do that in my life. I hate them. I envy them. I'm in competition with them. No, it leaves, peace leaves no, no room for that. We're united. We're one. We rejoice with one another and with each other. Disappears. It's insignificant. So let's, let's close up. In Christ, you have peace. In Christ, the God of peace is able to protect you and I in times of trouble, in times of worry, in times of anxiety. In Christ, this peace extends to one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it joins us at a very deep level. I believe, that, I believe God wants to, us to know this peace this morning. To encounter this peace this morning. Not simply just something that we can tick off our list and say, now I understand what peace is in Christ. No, he wants us to know it as a, at a deep level by the Spirit to imprint it afresh on our hearts. He wants it to be reality in our communities. He wants it to be something we offer and extend out to those around us. You can, hey, you, you get in our streets, at our school gates, you can know the peace of God. Come and encounter the peace of God and what it means to be at peace with God. Let's come before God for a minute in prayer. If the band could come up as well. come before God for a moment. I believe God would particularly particularly want us to know that peace afresh this morning. To know that we're in the Son, the beloved Son. And because of Him, we have peace. Peace with God. The very thing the world grapples for, reaches for, tries in all sorts of ways to achieve a sense of. It's given as a gift to you and I. You have peace with God. And I think particularly he'd just want to highlight perhaps there are ways that you are you're trying to earn that peace. You're trying to earn it through 
perhaps good behaviour, perhaps through acts of service. Like I said, these are good things, but they are (coughs) bad things at being reconciled to God. He offers it as a gift to you and I. And he wants you to rest in knowing you have peace with him. And for others here, I believe that there will be, there will be trials and, and troubles and circumstances we are going through right now. I felt particularly prompted that it would be family circumstances. There are family situations that are causing worries, that are causing difficulties. And he wants you to know his peace this morning in that. In the very midst of it, he would want you to know that his peace surrounds your heart and your mind. We also believe there's, there's maybe some of us who, it's, it's family situations that are abroad. It's family situations that are family and friends back home. Perhaps you've come here as a refugee. And you have anxieties or, or worries. You're not at peace about someone or a family situation back home. He wants you to know his peace this morning. Perhaps it's a work situation you're facing right now. He wants you to know peace. Spirit of God. Come afresh on us this morning as we encounter the very peace of God. The love of God. That it would consume us, that it would burn in our hearts. Thank you for this wonderful piece. We're going we're gonna to worship.